Father, we want to thank you for your presence and for revealing yourself to us in so many wonderful ways, through the visions that you've had, the words, the prophecies, the things that you have spoken through your word, the declarations, it's all about you. And we want it to continue. So we ask that you would just open our hearts to receive the word in good soil. Such a time as this, we know that you have already chosen it. So we bless you for it. We thank you that the release of it is by the Spirit of God. And we thank you for the spirits of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. Go into every heart and reveal our Lord and Savior, seated high and lifted up. And we give you thanks for all that you are doing amongst us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're living in a time when there is a great difficulty understanding how to connect to God. And I'm talking about people who are already born again Christians. They don't seem to have the wherewithal that makes them feel welcome. And they strive for a relationship with God. And it is uh, a worrying thing to see that no matter how much we preach, how much we teach, how much we expound the Word of God, that it doesn't seem to have that much of an effect as we would like it to have. And so, the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God is something not to be taken lightly because it carries with it the value of a person's soul and the development of that soul in a spiritual sense. And because the dynamic of age and the dynamic of circumstances, the dynamic of situations that happen, the country you live in, the place you were born in, all of these things have a bearing on how your Christian life progresses. If you just sit under a word on a Sunday morning, you know, you're not going to grow that much. But if you take the word that is preached on a Sunday morning, into your heart, and then let it develop inside of your spirit, you will begin to realize that it cuts across all these barriers of the age and of the circumstances and situations in life, and actually becomes something that is of value to you and to me, that we can use at the time when we need it. Because it has the power to do what the Word was sent to do, and until and unless we accept that, that this Bible was written for that reason, that the Word was sent. And yes, it came in the form of Jesus. But before it came in the form of Jesus, it had already been sent by God when He spoke out of His mouth. And people like Moses and others wrote it down. Amen? So we are now deciphering what they understood and it has been our work for the ages by the Holy Spirit so that we understand even more based on the times that we are living in. So today's message is titled Disconnection. That's why I was really blessed to hear Anoja speak about disconnection. And the title of the message is Disconnection, a gulf has been fixed. So let's go to Luke chapter 16 and verse 26. 
Luke 16 and verse 26. A gulf has been fixed. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus the poor man who sat at his gate wanting food but got nothing except dogs living at his souls. And then in verse 26, both of them have turned. By then, both of them have died. One has gone to Abraham's bosom, who is Lazarus. The other has gone to hell and is being tormented. And he's crying out to Abraham to say, give me some water. And Abraham replies to this. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence, that they which would pass from hence, to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Meaning to say, you, we can't come to you in hell, and you from hell cannot come to us in heaven. A gulf has been fixed. I want us to understand today from this passage that there are certain realities in the realm of the spirit that exist and cannot be changed. You can jump up and down fast 40 days, carry on, do whatever you want to do, but it will not change. That is why we preach the gospel. That is why we're trying to save the souls. That is why we're warning you about living a wayward life, once being a Christian. And you know, if you want to go into typology, and typology is a valid way of preaching the gospel, it's talking about the church. It's talking about the rich man being the church, and the poor man being the world. They are at our gates wanting good food, and they're not getting it because we are indulging ourselves. We are living of our own gifts and talents and our niceties and you know, God has blessed me and I prayed and I got this blessing, so thank you very much. But our labor is dying. Our brothers and sisters in other nations are desperate for money because they want to feed somebody. And we're thinking 19 to the dozen before we even release one cent. Now you know the time has come for the church to awaken to this great gulf that has been fixed yeah. and it cannot be shifted, it cannot be changed no matter what you do. One day I was up in Long Reach, I was looking after the AOG church there and the local Baptist boys got around and said come you want to, you know, how do you say, preach you officially in Long Reach and come and have dinner with us. And we got into the conversation of one saved, always saved. And they were arguing tooth and nail that it's one said, always said. And I said, no, it isn't. And I gave them my reasons and they gave me uh, their reasons. And we separated and went home. And that night I had a dream. And in the dream, I was falling through the abyss, the bottomless pit. And I cried out unto the Lord and I said, Lord, help me. And the Lord didn't answer. He just let me fall through the bottom of the spit. And I, and I said, Lord, can't you hear me? You know, I'm crying out. This is your son crying out to you. He said, yeah, yeah, I hear you. But I'm letting you fall. Because I want you to go back and tell those boys. 
that what you told them is real. And that a gulf is fixed. So when you're falling through the bottomless pit, on one side you've got a cliff face and the other side you've got another cliff face. And you know, you're falling in the middle of it and you're just falling, that's it. All the time in darkness, in pitch black darkness. And so God, God wants us to know that there are realities that are fixed in heaven, right? That, that are fixed in the spirit realm. That we as a church need to understand and take the urgency of the message not only to ourselves, to our own souls, but pass it on to others. Now you may be, you know, hesitant to do that because it's a daughter or a son or a brother or a sister or a husband or a wife that doesn't believe. But you need to get that message to them. Because this rich man cried out to Abraham and said, you know, at least send someone from the dead to go and speak to them. And he said, look, if they won't listen to Moses, they won't listen to anybody coming back from the dead. Meaning to say that they won't listen to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus rose from the dead. Right? Gave us a message. Now, we are the little children of God taking that message to everyone. Giving them a warning and telling them, look, fear the Lord. So the rules and laws exist that are in play in heaven or in the spirit realm that even God cannot change. So this is something that we need to understand. Let's go to Psalm 119 verse 89. Psalm 119 verse 89 Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. What does this mean? It means that it cannot be changed. Okay? That's all. It just simply means that it cannot be changed. So God cannot change. You know, God is only good to His word. He's not God if He doesn't keep His word. Right? That's why we believe in Him and that's why we worship Him. That's why we believe what He says. So, God is God and we need to understand His Word. We need to understand what He's saying. So, when we talk about mercy and grace, which we spoke about on Friday night Bible study at George's, right? You think about it and you think, what is mercy and grace? Mercy and grace are the extensions of God's sovereignty. That means he can use mercy and grace to change a situation that is already fixed. Are you listening to me this morning? He can use mercy and grace to change a position that is already fixed in heaven. And this is the good news. I'm giving you the good news. Okay? So when God got out of his situation of being self-existent and went and sat on the mercy seat, he broke the mold of his own will because of his sovereignty. So mercy had already been established, grace had already been established, and it was there for God to use 
in the event that we would cross the barrier. That's wonderful news. Because the devil, our accuser, is constantly accusing us in front of God. And God cannot change His word, but God can use His sovereign power. Amen? That's why repentance is so, so important. Now, because they cannot be changed, because there are scenarios that are happening that cannot be changed. God sent His Son Jesus to tell us of what exists already in heaven and has been decreed on earth. John 3, verses 11 to 13. So now someone is being sent from heaven to tell us what has been fixed in heaven and cannot be changed. John 3, verses 11 to 13. Very, very, I say unto you, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So, so here is a man saying that he is the Son of God, and he's telling us heavenly things. Now he says, I'm not only telling you heavenly things, I'm also telling you earthly things. And then if you cannot believe, right, how will you believe what is fixed? So he's walking down the road to Sancha, he meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and she says, you know, we worship God in the mountains, and God, Jacob gave us this well, and he said, you don't know what you worship. So wake up call for the church. Do you know who you worship? Do you know what you worship? Because there is that format that happens in church, right? That gets you into a mold and then keeps you there from Sunday to Sunday so that you come and repeat the same thing over and over again and it's not even accepted in heaven. So tradition is fixed on earth. It's not fixed in heaven. The sovereignty of God works in heaven. So we have to understand. So because of these things, there is a huge disconnect between how we and God perceive things. So let's think of the train track. We've got two tracks on a train track. And the train runs on both. One is the natural realm, the other is the spiritual realm. Now, never the train shall meet, otherwise the train will be red. Right? So you've got to decide on which side of the train or which direction the train is going. And you've got to decide whether you want to stay on it. This, this natural and, and spiritual parallel will keep happening the whole time because we have a level of thought and our own minds, our educations, the things we've gone through in life, our past, the, the instances that have happened versus what God sees and what 
we see. So let's say we go to God and we say, God, you know, so and so raped me when I was a little girl. And he says, yes, I know about it. It happened to you on the earth. And he says, uh, but what are you going to do about it? And he says, well, how about you forgive them? He says, what? I was expecting fire and brimstone. I was expecting you to come and destroy this enemy of mine because they have come against a righteous person who is your child. He says, no, I think first you need to forgive. I think first you need to forgive. Because there are certain things fixed in heaven, child, that I cannot change. That except you forgive, you cannot be. You cannot be. You see, we take these words very lightly. We think, oh, we can just carry this unforgiveness with us. But what does it do? It leads you to hell. It leads you to a place of unforgiveness rather than forgiveness. But forgiveness will lead you to a place of forgiveness. So if you get over that and come into the spiritual law, the spiritual dynamic that God is telling us that we should have, then we begin to see a connection taking place between us and God, not a disconnection. That we begin to understand the ways of the Lord. Now listen to me carefully. The reason we are not prospering, spiritually speaking, is because we don't understand the ways of the Lord. We are trying hard to emulate what others do. Because you see a level of success with what they have done. And say, oh baby, that is the way to connect to God. So let's worship for 45 minutes and we might connect with God. <laughs> well, if you have to take 45 minutes to connect with God, you're in trouble, man. Yeah. I need God now, I don't need God in 45 minutes. Because I've been dead in 45 minutes. Or one hour, one year, two years, or five years, or fifty years. I need God now. I need to connect with Him now. I need to reach into the realm of the Spirit and connect with Him now. So the huge disconnect that exists between us and God becomes open doors. And hear me carefully, it becomes open doors of struggles in our lives for the demonic to operate. The moment the demon sees you struggling with God, he knows he has an entrance into you. He's got into your doubt, he's got into your unbelief, he's got into your anger, he's got into your unforgiveness, he's got into your lust, he's got into your fornication, he's got into the way you think, and he's now starting to work his evil work. I saw a guy casting a demon out of a woman, and he says, you read a book when you were a little girl and that demon has gone into you and he's been working against you and he wants to kill you. He said, so tell me, what do you feel? You know, what are you going through? He said, what is your name? He said, my name is Anger. This is the demon speaking. My name is Anger. My name, my name is Disappointment. My name is Discouragement. 
My name is Jealousy. My name is Susa. There are certain things that are fixed that cannot be changed. The moment you disconnect from God, you are an open target for the devil. Now don't ask me why. Please. I am figuring out a lot of things myself. And I can only preach what I know and tell you what I know. That if you make yourself right with God and you walk with God, He says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's a law. That's, that's a principle that cannot be changed. It's fixed. The moment you cross that principle, you fall into a gulf. You fall into the abyss. Bottomless pit. Year after year, your life becomes worse and worse and worse. And you're crying out to God and you're not getting an answer because there's a disconnection. And it is sin or something else that is bothering us. So separation from the ways of God can cause deception in life. When my, you know, my mother, she's the one who prayed me into the kingdom, I can tell you very confidently that. But in her latter years, she became someone who didn't understand what was going on in her life. And she couldn't, she couldn't accept what I was saying. She wouldn't even come to my meetings. Because she couldn't reduce herself to sit under her son's ministry. And she didn't understand. Till one day she came for the meeting. And she saw me cast out a demon and she said, You're a man of God. Now, she's making an assumption on seeing one incident. But she had a whole history of information that said, I'm not a man of God up to that point. A gulf had been fixed between me and my mom because of her way of thinking. She was not attuning herself to the Word of God, recognizing me through the fruit. She was judging me based on her opinion of me. And that's what's happening to each one of us. These people are judging us based on their opinion of us. That's why when the angel appeared to Gideon and he said, Thou mighty man of valor, he couldn't grasp it. He couldn't receive it. He didn't know what the angel was talking about. He said, I am the least in the tribes of Israel. My, my tribe is the least of it all. And I am the least in that tribe. And I am hiding my stuff in the cave. And I don't want to know anything about the enemy. And he says, Thou mighty man of valor. There was a perception from heaven that was different to his perception. God has a different viewpoint about you and you better start believing it. <laughs> but the devil is telling you something else. The devil is telling you something else. See, God's sovereignty is something just so fantastic. 
It's immeasurable. It is incomprehensible. You have to really get into the presence of God to begin to understand the sovereignty of God and you will be awestruck, you will be dumbstruck, you will fall to the ground and you will just begin to shake and shiver at the sovereignty of God because He will release and know that you will get to know the knowledge of His entire being. It's beyond imagination. It's beyond any human comprehension. He has to give it to you and He has to cover you so that you can receive it. Otherwise you'll die. Let us go to Isaiah 59. Like coming to us. 
or so we thought or so we thought that's what I'm trying to tell you the sovereignty of God is beyond imagination so what does God do he gets up out of where he is and he goes and sits on the mercy seat now he's telling Moses make the mercy seat Moses doesn't know what he's doing he thinks he's doing something for now maybe he knew I don't know I, I shouldn't put that on Moses but I don't think he had the full revelation so make the mercy seat I'm going to come and I'm going to sit on that mercy seat and I'm going to forgive the sins of man once a year and so I appoint priests and all these other guys who have to operate in the temple and I put a veil between you and me and so still a disconnection but once a year there's a connection that takes place because the priest is allowed in through the sovereignty of God through the mercy of God through the grace of God but it's not good enough the gulf is still fixed nothing is solved it is only covered for a moment he has to come up with a solution for the gulf so what does he do he sends his son Jesus who becomes the bridge the gulf is still there have you ever seen those tracks where they show you as a sinner on one side of the gulf and God on the other side and a cross connecting the two and the person is walking along the cross into heaven. You see that, tra that track? It makes a lot of sense. Jesus is the bridge. And we always say, oh Jesus is the bridge, you know, for my salvation. Jesus is the bridge for my salvation. Hey, Jesus is the bridge for your disconnection. Right now, this very moment, the throne room is open. There is no veil. You can go in boldly. You can go into the presence of God and say, God, your arm is not shortened. How are you helping me now? Let's see what Jesus did in order to connect us. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1. Now this is the good news. Galatians 1.15 But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Paul got translated out of the earth into the heavenly. He got a message and he said, Hey, Jesus is the gospel of salvation listen to me I've got the answer Amen. 
So what happened? He got disconnected from his pharisaical thought life. He got disconnected from the temple. He got disconnected from his mother's womb. He got disconnected from everything that was earthly and what was not good in the sight of God. And God connected him to him by Jesus Christ. This is the power of both separation and connection. And that's why I preach the gospel of cutting soul ties. This is cutting soul ties. You cannot deliver a baby without cutting the umbilical cord connection. He said, he delivered me from my mother's womb. How did he deliver me from my mother's womb? He cut the soul ties between me and that which was earthly. Even the womb that was earthly. He cut me off from that. And he said, no, you cannot have that as your first reference. I am your first reference. When I got the revelation, I said, bye dad, bye mom, I love you. But I'll see you around, man. Jesus is the answer. I was able to leave home. I didn't have to be kicked out. Because there was another home waiting for me. One that I knew was my father's house. That's why when I heard the audible voice of God and the father speaking to me, I recognized it immediately, even though I was a sinner, because he was the one who called me by his grace. I didn't go. So he came. And he said, my son, when you don't cut your soul ties to your family, to your past, to your situations in life, to yesterday, even to the anointing of yesterday, if you don't cut it, you are in trouble. I grieve over people who I speak to and I tell them, look, I can see this in your life. There's something from your past that's still following you. Get rid of it. And they say, no! They fight me tooth and nail. They say, no, you can't. And you know who's the most difficult one to talk to? Is the one who's the closest to you. They won't listen. And I weep and Jesus weeps and the Holy Spirit weeps. And I see destruction. I see the devil having his way. And yet they come to church, they lift their hands to God, they worship God and say, God, I love you and their tears flowing down from their eyes. But they have no solution in their lives. I'm as much attacked by the demon as you are attacked. But I have a safe house. His name is Jesus. Yep. I run into him. I don't try to fight the demon in my own strength. I fight him in the name of Jesus. Cut your soul ties to this world, to the things of the world, your parents, your siblings, your brothers and sisters, your children. Release them into the hand of God. He separated the Apostle Paul into the kingdom of God. If you don't let go, they will destroy you. They will control your life. They will tell you what to do, when to do, how to do, and you will be listening to that and not the word of God. 
Because you would say, that's family. I need to listen to my family. I'm telling you, you will make the biggest mistake because you put your family above God. Because the voice of God is speaking to you and saying, walk away from this. And he said, I can't because this is my family. And he says, walk away from it. And he said, I can't. And he, he says, okay. I will not always strive with you. You cannot have spiritual growth when you are connected to your past and to things that are not approved of God in your life in your life you know I love certain soulish things that I have enjoyed in the past they still appeal to me sex certain other things my character faults they still appeal to me they still shake me to the core. If they ever turn up at my doorstep, they shake me to the core. I say, listen, I'm here, why don't you come back? Why can't you just get angry again? Why don't you just, you know, have a nice affair with some woman? You know, they're after you after all. You know, why can't you do this and why can't you do that? And I know the power that I have. I know the power that I have. That it is a false power. It's a lying power. It's a deceitful power based on what I was, not what I am. So what do I do? I make a conscious decision to say no. Temptation comes, I say no. It comes again, I say no. It comes again, I say no. He goes away for a little while, comes back later and says, I'm here again. And I still say no. What part of no don't you understand? N-O-O. <laughs> but he's trying, he's trying, he's trying. And he'll play against you according to your age, according to your situation, according to your circumstance, according to what somebody said or somebody did. And he will put, try to put that wedge between you and God and what God says about you. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Verse 18. Let's begin at 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, he's talking to Christians, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. We were talking about what's the difference between transgression and sin on Friday night. Well, here's the answer. If I build again the things that I once destroyed in my life, let's let's get an example. Doubt. How many of you suffer from doubt? Not doubt, doubt. Don't lie. Don't lie. It comes around. Especially when you're praying, 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 and you get no answer. It comes around. If I build that up again, I have transgressed 
I've fallen into unbelief. And I can no longer believe what I am preaching. So don't preach the gospel when you are in doubt. For heaven's sake, we attended a seminar recently, and I'm sorry to say that the person who was conducting the seminar was living in his past and conducting the seminar based on what the past was doing to him today. And I said, what a loser. I felt sorry for him. We've got to pray for him. Yeah, he's got great success and there's great things happening around him, but he himself is trapped inside a cage and he can't get out. So, unbelief. So the past, anything that is controlling you, that is not of God from the earth, is all there to bring you into a place of disconnection. You cannot believe what the word says. You want to believe it, you're trying to believe it, you're even applying the word to believe it, but it's not working. Because spiritual laws will not change. So you have to humble yourself. You've got to come in with the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus, and you've got to sit in front of the Father, and you have to say, Father, I don't understand what is going on with me. Can you please teach me? And he says, okay. I'm glad you humbled yourself. Because I can teach you. And the people have gone years and years poor. Years and years with sickness. Years and years with doubt and unbelief and torment and the demons have been turning up at their doorstep and every sound they hear they get scared. Something goes on and they think, ah, where, where is the faith? Where is God? The past is over. You've come into a new dimension, a spiritual dimension where things are different. You're no longer a child of the devil or the world. You're being separated from it. Let's go to Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13. He says, Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? Now, when I was in darkness, there was nothing but sorrow and pain and difficulty gnashing of teeth and all sorts of things that were going on that was wrong, that drove me to drugs and alcohol and fornication and all manners of things to appease the soul, to appease what was demanding to, to be appeased in this earth. But the spirit was crying out and saying, no, 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 that's not what you're looking for. He is on the other side of the gulf. And I just couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. We are no longer the children of devil or the world. And I pray that you are no longer drinking milk. I sense our church has come on to a new level now. I see a different spirit. You know, it took me years and years of training. I'm not trying to lift myself up, please don't get me wrong. I was sent here with a commission and a task. Many of you who are sitting here, you were in bad shape. Now, I came 
with the intention of what God had told me to do, not realizing what I was going to face. Not only in you, but also in myself. And then when God started dealing with me, I could deal with you. And I had to depend. I had to depend on God. I had to say, God, what is this all about? What is it about? He said, son, I have separated you from darkness into the kingdom of light. This is the work of light. This is the work of light to change a heart, to change a soul. And that is why I believe that those efforts will not go in vain because of what God is going to do and what God is going to do and is already doing in your lives. And in my life. I am not separate to you. I am not separate to you. The ways of the Lord must be understood. Otherwise you will think that it is something that you are doing. No, you have to take a step back from all the crown feathers in your crown. You have to take a step back and he said, God, what is this all about? Why are you putting me with a crown and a crown on top of that crown and another crown on top of the other crown? Why? Go back. Step back. All of the elders sitting in the presence of God and they began to worship Jesus, took their crowns and threw it to the ground and fell down prostrate and worshiped. It doesn't matter how many crowns you get. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is fixed. It's just taking time. So the divide we feel between God and us as Christians often stems from the way God operates in things. It is becoming familiar and understanding His ways that will help us change. Come to Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 10. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Thank God, you think you're really difficult to understand. You know, what's going on? I mean, you're taking me through the wilderness 40 years. I have hardly anything to eat. I used to eat meat. I used to eat grapes. You know, yeah, I worked a little hard and I was in bondage to sin and all those sort of things. But, but, you know, at least I had a home and everything else. And now here I am in the wilderness and I'm walking around depending on you. You see, most of us don't depend on God. Most of us don't want to depend on God. What we want is God to bless us and leave us alone so we can enjoy the blessing. Yeah. That's the truth. Just bless us and leave us alone so we can enjoy the blessings. Why did you bless me anyway? He said, I blessed you in the blessings of Abraham so that you can be a blessing to someone else. 
what Abraham was blessed with. We all see the richness of Abraham and how vastly rich he was. He was the richest man in the world and all this sort of stuff. No, 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 no. He was blessed to bless others. That's why he became the father of nations. Take out fifty dollars from your pocket and bless someone. See what happens. And before that, you know, your mind will say, no, that's you and you'll be fighting and no, I need the fifty dollars for toilet paper and all this sort of stuff and you'll be running around, you know, what do I do with this fifty dollars? No, you cannot be asking me for this fifty dollars. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verses 7 and 8. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. His ways and his thoughts are not your ways or my ways or my thoughts. It's fixed. Now what are we doing? We are trying to manipulate God to think like us. How many of us have done that? He said, no, no, I am not me. I won't do that kind of thing. Of course you do. Every day, every second of the day almost you do that. Because your mind is telling you something, but the ways of the Lord are something else, and His Word is telling you something else, and you shut your ear to the Word, and you let your thoughts dictate how you behave and what you do. Very, very difficult. Because you're not allowing God's thoughts to come and control you. I just... Oh, no, 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 you might have coronavirus. Hang on a second, I'll talk to you later, okay? So you see someone sneezing, not coughing, someone with, you can... But then you come to church and say, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. The moment you go and someone sneezing their guts up, you'll run for a mouth. So you either accept God's thoughts or not. Because his ways and his thoughts shall not return to him void. No, it won't. It will never return to him void. Even in the negative, it will never return to him void. I want to say, make a statement here. The prophetic does not apologize for being prophetic. That means whatever is written in the Word of God, in the Bible, that is prophetic, especially the book of Revelation, shall come to pass. The gulf has been fixed. It cannot be changed. Not even by Jesus. Not even by Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is preparing our hearts for the prophetic. So it's all about positioning yourself at such a time 
to receive what the prophetic says about you and me, not in the negative, but in the positive. That's why you need to come for the teaching on the 28th. You, I'm going to expound on that even more. Because God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And if you keep going to God the whole time and say, God, you know, can you please consider this? He said, yes, I have considered it. But I'm telling you, this is the answer, do it. See, this morning, last night, I, I, we've been working with Corey, Pastor Corey, the whole week about songs and Louise and sending songs back and forth and everything. And last night, I was so stirred up in my spirit as I was speaking to the Lord, praying and asking the Lord to change everything. So this morning I came, I sent them songs to Liz and I said, Liz, this is what we're doing. And, I, and, I, and I, then, then I'm telling myself, no, 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 where are you going to jump in? And when are you? I said, shut up, man, stop talking to yourself. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit speak. He can't speak when you are speaking to yourself. Right? You can't hear it. What if he doesn't speak? What if he doesn't say anything at all? Because we are so worried about the outcome, we are trying to shape it and manipulate God to think like us and say, let us shape it, let's make it that way. No, no, no. I said, no, nah, get away from me, Noble. I don't want to hear you. And then God does what He wants to do. Then He gets the glory. But you have to press in. You got to ask and ask the Lord. You know what is it that I have to do to get into your thoughts? He said, "Listen, listen when I'm talking to you. Hear what I'm saying, and accept my ways." He said, "But God, that does not make sense." The disconnection happens when we neglect to come into His presence, into His Word, and the domain of His being, to learn of His ways. See, if God chooses to send you in one direction and another in some other direction, that's His choice. Okay, because you have committed your way to the Lord. That's His choice. But you know what we do? No, don't move me from here. I don't. I don't want to move from here. You know, I've made my life here, this is where my roots are, this is where my family is, this is where I make my money. So don't move me. Right? He says, okay, I'm not going to move me from here. But you are going to become a millionaire, a multi-billionaire, where he was going to take you. He said, no, you want to be a working class citizen of Australia, well, be it then. Because you have not seen, nor heard, nor has it entered into your heart what I have prepared for you, and you are not willing to submit to me, so I am not going to give you what I have prepared for you. Your destiny is incredibly important, let me tell you that. And you are going to find that out, not now, when you get up to heaven. Not now, you won't find it out now. I can tell you some really deep things from the Bible about destiny, shape it to the books. God works on our Christian journey on earth through His Word. 
and it should be totally governed by our understanding of how God works through His Word. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I called them. Separate, disconnect. Remove them from their group of influence and bring them to me. Now, how are you going to do that? Not an easy task, is it? Have you ever tried to tell somebody, you know, disconnect yourself from this other person because they're not a good influence on you? What will you get? Most of the time, I grow rejection. Okay? Don't go there. That's not the right place for you. Ah, you don't know anything. Go to Acts chapter 16. Verses 6 and 9. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And after they were come to Mysia, they said to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. I want to go somewhere and the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going. I've been all booked to go to Brunei. Under self, some very difficult circumstances. And the whole thing fell apart. And with the, but before that, I was meeting with a guy in Singapore who was arranging the whole thing for me. Brunei, you cannot preach the gospel. It's a Muslim country. You can only go to the church and that's it. That also, they watch you. They send spies into the place. So you make one mistake, you speak against Islam, you're in jail. And the guy looked at me across the table and he said to me, he said, who told you to go to Brunei? And I, you know, arrogantly laughed and nervous laughter and I said, oh, I don't know, you know, I made up my mind sort of thing. So he went ahead with the arrangements. But that night, the Holy Spirit tumbled my cards. I, was, I wasn't going to Brunei. The guy who was supposed to arrange for me ran me up, abused me on the phone, and I said, that's it, I'm not going to Brunei. I went to sleep, I got woken up in the middle of the night by my friend, and he said, come and have a look at this on the uh, TV. And 9-11 was taking place, right then and there. And the Lord said, son, had you gone to Brunei, you would have been in prison. God speaks in so many different ways. Don't try to make your own plans. Okay? Let God make it. Let God approve it. Let Him say, you know, this is the way walking in it. My intercessor would often tell me in back in Sydney that she's walking down, she lived in the red light district and the Lord God would say, turn left and she would just not without question, just turn left. 
And she would meet someone who was a prostitute, who was in her Sunday school. And she would give her the gospel and say, go back to your mom, your mom needs you. And she said, I'm so glad you met me. And she goes back home. You must listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a result. It won't happen because there is a gulf fixed. It won't work. Right? It won't work. Today's world we're living in, what you used to do 20 years ago, won't work in today's world. God doesn't change, but His words will show you how you must adapt. So let us become sharp to the voice of the Spirit. You know, He may speak to you through the pastor. He may speak to you through some other person and say, look, don't do this or don't do this or, or something else, advise you or counsel you. You must trust the Lord. We cannot make the journey without the trust. You know, faith is often spoken of as trust. But the way I see it, faith initiates the journey in God and trust keeps you on it in the face of all circumstances. Can you trust God when you are dying on your bed? I want to ask you this question because you will say yes. Many people have failed on their deathbed. I can tell you that. I've also seen many unbelievers who've held out for the last moment come to Christ on their deathbed. Because at that point in time, they gained the trust which they have been neglecting for all these years. They have now no choice. There's going to be, there's going to be such a chaos coming to this earth that's going to break the trust of people with God. And you think they're blaming God now? Wait till those things happen. They will really start blaspheming God. I say, you talk to me about God? Why is he allowing all these things? And you see, my wife died, my son died, my run out of toilet paper. Give me a break. You know, we have to kill fear. The thing is, we are birthed into a supernatural journey that defies natural laws. And so when you're, you're talking about changing something on the earth, you have to go into the spirit realm. So you've got to go through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus. You've got to get into the spirit realm. You've got to pick up that, that material from there. You've got to bring it back to the earth and change it. He said, uh, uh, but, but, but how, how does that work? You, well, you, you just go first into the realm of the Spirit and don't worry about anything else. God will take care of it and He will give you the instructions and He will tell you what to do. Ah, but you know, it, it has to work out positively, otherwise I'm not interested. Well, Isaiah found out, he put his hand up and he said, yeah, here I am, send me. And he said, no, 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 you know, uh, go and talk to these people, they won't listen to you. This is your ministry of talking to a non-listening people. Why? So that when the day of judgment comes, God can easily judge them. So he prepares that too. So you have to trust God that he knows what he's doing. God will not change his word. We have to change to this word. And it's the bridge of the word, breathed by the Holy Spirit, that bridges the great divide in the now. So now I can go into heaven, through the Holy Spirit, get what I need, come back in and make it happen. 
It's not me. Because now I've started to trust what I hear, what I do. It took me some time. But I developed it through trust. When God does not answer for a good reason, you know, we have to depend on God. I want to say this, I want to finish up. So I want to say this to you. Stop living in natural Because all these forces that are working against us will, will give you information, even from good sources, that will be mixed and corrupt. And you'll find yourself saying some things that are mixed and corrupt, and you won't even know it. Because you've determined for yourself that makes sense. I tell you, most of what God does does not make sense on the earth. Absolutely no sense. It's only the Holy Spirit that gives us the realities of God and the understanding that we need. God is not a man, nor is He subject to man. So we must understand His mercy that has been extended to us because He loves us. But at the same time, His wrath is a reality. His holiness is a reality. So no, let's not trifle with God, but subject ourselves even to the smallest commandments of what He says. Love the Lord your God. Okay? Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your mind and all your strength. And your neighbor as you love yourself. Now if you don't do these two commandments, the gulf is fixed. Because on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus fulfilled it, but if you don't do it, whatever you do, whatever you do for God, no matter how many millions of souls you save, how many miracles you do, no matter how much you interact with God and have encounters, spiritual encounters with God, He may never speak to you about the fact that you are not a loving person. In His eyes, He may never speak to you about it. He will gather all his fruit, he will take it back to heaven, and when he go to me, he said, I don't know. He said, How can it be? How can it be? Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 13 very clearly. He said, All that you do is vanity, is useless without love. It has been fixed. It has been fixed. It cannot be changed. It will not be changed for anybody. God is love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth on Him shall be saved and have eternal life. It cannot be changed. No, no, you cannot believe in Allah or Buddha or Krishna or your money or your, your sex or anything else and get to heaven. No, you cannot. Because you've got your mind fixed on those things. Not on what God did through His Son for you to bridge the gulf. And you cannot go to heaven unless you go through Jesus. He said, I am the way. He said, no, but I know all these things. You're just repeating yourself, you know, what is already said in the gospel. I'm afraid, my friends, that too many Christians have gone, given themselves at a good point or good points to say, you know, I know, you don't know. 
Because when God turns up at your doorstep and He says to you, uh, you don't know what you worship, <laughs> you better watch out. You better watch out. You don't know what you worship. I asked a boy who came from the moments to my place, an American boy, 19 years old. I said, mate, I'm going to ask you a question. I said, were you born into this faith or were you recruited? And he said, I was born into it. So you know what I said to him? I said, that means you don't know anything else. Don't get born into the church. Don't get born into the systems of the church. Don't get born into denominations. I'm giving you good advice for freedom of charge. Except a man being born again. Who's he talking to? The Pharisee. Except to be, he's going to the temple, he's worshipping God. He, he's got the oracles of God, he's got the history of all of how God did with Israel and how much he said he loved them and all this sort of stuff. And he said, no, 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 if you don't turn your heart back to me, I will destroy you. One of the saddest books in the Bible is Jeremiah. Cried, cried for years and years and told the people. So I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now, throw all your thoughts away. Get into the closet and start seeking the Lord for His thoughts. Amen. And His solutions. And His ways. And His understanding of your situation. And what is happening in the world. And it will change. It will make things change around you. And you will begin to understand that you've been living a life that is only centered around self. I know I have to do that. So I'm saying, God, teach me how to love. He said, oh, I'm so glad. Go to Australia and become a pastor there. I'll teach you how to love. Six years later, I'm still loving. I'm still loving. There's always room for him. Let's finish up with 2 Corinthians 16, 6, 17, and 8. Two Corinthians 6, 17 and 8. Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, said the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Come out from amongst them, and what? Separate yourself. Disconnect from the world. Connect to me. Then I will call you sons and daughters. Oh, no, you see, I'm already a son and a daughter. Oh, if you're already a son and a daughter, what are you doing with idols? What are you doing with pornography in your house? What are you doing with anger in your heart? What are you doing with unforgiveness in your heart? A son and daughter doesn't carry those things. Well, you know, but you know, I, I get that feeling, you know, every now and then. You mean to say, I've got to be perfect? Yes, you have to be perfect. Be perfect even as I am perfect, said the Lord. 
So we work at it. To separate ourselves from these things that want to drag us away from God and from His blessings and from what... You know, don't assume that you are a son and daughter of God. He says, separate yourself. He says, I've given you that title. I've given you that mantle. I've given you the right to be called the sons of God. But don't abuse it. Too many Christians have gone around saying, Oh, we are Christians. We are the bees knees of everything. And they have bashed up Israel. They have bashed up people. And they told them, you are not going to hell because we are all going to heaven. <laughs> I don't think so, right? I don't think so. We better be careful how we deal with God in the last days. There is always room for improvement. Always. Revelation 18.4 And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. Come on from amongst them. He's talking to his people. You are my you are my God. You're my children. I'm your God. Come on from amongst them and, and separate yourselves, and you will not receive the plague. Coronavirus will not come to you because you are coming to the kingdom of light, you're not in the kingdom of darkness. You have the right to come to coronavirus and say, get lost, go to hell in Jesus' name. Amen. No plague. And this is not the first one. There are going to be many, 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 many more. There have been many before this. Spanish flu killed 40 million people. Influenza, H1N1, all this swine flu, all this flu came, you know, killed millions and millions of people. What are they panicking about? It's all designed by the devil. The prophet said he saw it happening in China and then he saw the demon picking it up and scattering it across the world. That's why I prayed this way I prayed. I said, to the four heavens, to the four winds of heaven, you shall not. You shall not. All downloaded last night. That's why I want the boys to come up and declare. We're going to stand firm and we're going to declare together and we're going to agree together. No weapon from the nation. Disconnect from the world. The world's going down fast and it'll keep going down fast. In the Philippines, they had nothing to eat. And they cried out unto the Lord and said, Lord, we have nothing to eat. And a chicken flew in through the window of the hut. Now we have something to eat. Are you listening to me? God's ways are not your ways. All the money you hold up can disappear in a second. In a second. He says your gold and your silver will be like canker. That means it has no value. You go to the shop and say, I've got a bar of gold. It's on my tail and get away. It's nothing. It's worse than tin. 
depend on. The chicken will come flying through your window. Food dropped for 40 years in the wilderness from heaven. Come on! Who are you talking about? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you're ever present to help your people. And we know that that fear is bound, broken, and destroyed. This church will go on fulfilling its commission. And we shall live in abundance and we shall be a blessing. We won't be like that rich man who never, never gave anything to the poor. And we shall be like Abraham. Because you brought us into the blessings of Abraham. So also we shall be a blessing. We thank you for what you have done and are doing. Protect every single person in their jobs, in their finances, in their homes, in their mortgages, in whatever it is that they are doing. Lord, prosper them, give them witty inventions, show them the way to make money and wealth and to bless others and in a dark time to be a light shining in the darkness. Thank you that many will come and know you because of this. We bless you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer for any reason, please come and we will pray.